Today, we are continuing our series, which is titled Made for More. And in this series, we are discovering that we are all made for more than what we are currently doing for the kingdom. Some of us are, have graduated high school. We are made for more than what we're setting out to do. Some of us are in the middle of our career. We are made for more than what we are currently doing. Some of us are just starting new relationships or maybe a marriage or maybe a family. and We are made for more than what we are currently doing. And some of us have retired or are well into retirement and we are made for more than what we are currently doing when it comes to the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. And so we're going to switch some things up today. Today, today is a selfish sermon. Today is going to be all about me, not me, Chip, but me, you, me. So we're going to be a little, we're going to be inward focused today. I know that sounds a little odd, right, for the, for the Christian lifestyle uh, to be inward focused, looking at yourself. But that's what we're going to do. And so far, we've looked at how we can join God in his never-ending story, how we can be a part of his story, his quest for reconciling a broken humanity back to its creator, back to the Father. How can we join him in it? How can we be looking as we're going through life and seeing where God is inviting us to join him? And then the second part of, the, of, the, of this series we looked at, it was called The Power of, of Saying Yes. Like when we recognize that God is calling us to join him in the restoration of somebody's life, in reconciling somebody back to the Father, in introducing the kingdom of God to somebody, in introducing Jesus to somebody, when we recognize that God is asking us to join him and we say yes to that, there is power in that, not just in our lives, but the lives that are affected by that as well. And then last week, last week I thought was a very challenging uh, uh, sermon and even convicting, like even for me. If we're not convicting, last week was loving without conditions. If you do a little study on loving unconditionally in the Bible and you aren't somewhat convicted, you, you, you're, you might be Jesus. Like, because really, we should, there should be some conviction there. there should, that should be the one area, or one of many, that we are really challenged in. Because it means that we have to look past an exterior of somebody. And we have to love them unconditionally. And so today, we're going to look at a very important aspect of a Christian's life that I think often gets overlooked. And that is the subject of soul care. We're going to look at, at soul care. Like, soul care is something that the Vineyard Association, uh, probably about maybe three years ago, began to become really intentional about with its pastors. So like we have area leaders, we, we, pastors in our area here in, in Columbus meet once a month, and then we have area leaders that oversee us, and then we have regional leaders that oversee them, and then we have national leaders that oversee them. And they just started this, this reorganization of the association a few years ago. And I think it's great, because we have, I have area leaders that I meet with every, actually it's every fifth Thursday, and I meet with them. If it's not in person, it's, it's, it's Zoom. But what they do is they want to make sure that I'm doing good. They want to, they want to make sure that, that what they're doing is they're holding me accountable for my spiritual walk. And is it challenging? Yes. 
Does it make me feel better that somebody is caring for me? Absolutely. It's, it's me being held accountable as a pastor within the vineyard. And if I was to say no to that, then there's something, right? Like accountability is something that we all need. Accountability is challenging, but it keeps us on the tracks, so to speak. And, and so I, I like this because here's the thing. If, if I, as a pastor, am not spiritually healthy, then how is the church going to be spiritually healthy, right? Because then what's in me begins to come out. And if you're following me as your pastor, then you're going to listen to that. And if I'm unhealthy, then the things that I'm preaching, I don't think are going to be from a healthy uh, a source, so to speak, right? A healthy place. And so if I'm spiritually healthy, if we're all as Christians spiritually healthy, if we're not spiritually healthy, then what happens is we, we can quickly derail. And, and, and really, it's not quickly. It's gradually. But the crash seems like it happened all of a sudden. But it took a while to get there. And so soul care is simply this. We are a three-part being. Mind, body, and spirit. And they're all connected. Right? Our mind is our intellect. Our mind is our soul. Our heart is our spirit. Our inner man is our spirit. The deepest part of who we are is our spirit. Our prayer language, those of us that speak in tongues, our prayer language comes from our spirit man. And when you, when you hear somebody that talks about when they first begin speaking in tongues, they'll, they'll often say, it came from deep within me. And it was weird at first. That's your spirit. It's the deepest part of who you are. And if one of these or both of these is, is out of sync, our mind and our hearts, our soul and our spirit, then the rest of us will be out of sync. Our body, our physical health, our mental health will be out of sync. And so all three of these need to be in sync with each other in order for us to be spiritually healthy. But... Let's face it, up here is where all the crazy happens, right? Up here is where we can't turn things off. Up here in our minds is, is where thoughts want, run rampant. We can't shut it down. We're up all night worrying about things, thinking about a conversation, going over an argument. We can't turn it off. We have these, okay, am I the only one that has all these conversations in my head that I'm going to have? Like, just our minds are crazy, right? Or, or, or we can't think straight because of everything that's going on. You know, our phones, are, are, they're both a blessing and a curse. And, and I, I straddle that line. But as far as keeping things from bogging down my mind, I have apps as reminders. So as soon as I set an appointment or I have something going on or I have to remember something, I just put it in my phone and, shoop, it's out. And then and I don't have to worry about it. I can, I can think about things that are more important, like the next thing I need to put in my phone. <laughs> but how do we do this? How do we balance life and still be a good parent, still, be, still honor our parents, still be a good, a good uh, a son or daughter to our parents? How do we balance life and still do work and have a successful career? How do we balance life and still be 
a good spouse, honoring our spouse? How do we balance life and continue on the daily with school and work and parenting and and childing and, and doing all of this stuff and at the same time have a clear mindset so that we can join God in what he is doing around us? See, if we're all bogged down and we're not in sync, we're going to miss out when the Holy Spirit asks us to join him. We cannot fully commit to the kingdom of God if we are not fully in sync spiritually. Mind, body, and spirit. So I teach out of the New Living Translation, and we're going to look at a a psalm today that should be very familiar, but it might read a little bit different from the New Living Translation. But this psalm that we're going to look at, to me, is the perfect picture of soul care, how we can take care of ourselves spiritually. And King David, he wrote most of the psalms, but he wrote this psalm here in particular. And King David, he grew up as a shepherd boy. I think you know where I'm going with this. All throughout the scriptures, there's the sheep and the shepherd analogy. And King David knew this well because he was a shepherd boy. But King David was also uh, a, a musician and a poet. He was a warrior. He, he, he battled. He led troops into battle. He was the king of Israel for many, many years. He was described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart, even though he really messed up a lot. But he knew to come back to God. That was the thing he had going for him. He knew when he messed up, he, he was convicted. And, and, and even, even God had to send people to say, hey, dude, you really messed this up. And he came back to God. So he wasn't perfect, but he knew God's presence. So we're going to be looking in Psalm 23 today. So if you have your apps or your Bibles, go to Psalm 23. We'll be in there the whole sermon. But to me, this is a psalm that speaks life to our spirits and also should speak encouragement to us. It's a psalm that can help us stay on the right path or on the right track as far as a follower of Jesus. And so in in the very first verse, it says this, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. You might remember this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have all that I need. With Jesus as my shepherd, I have all that I need. And this is what King David was saying when he wrote this. God is my shepherd. God takes care of me. With God as my shepherd, I have all that I need. There isn't anything else on this planet that is going to fulfill my needs more than my shepherd in Jesus. One of the things that cannot be taken away from us. There's, there's many things that we can struggle with in life. We can struggle with who we are. We can struggle with what I should be doing. We can struggle with all kinds of things because, you know, everything is up here in our minds. There's two things that I am adamant about that cannot ever be taken away from us. Our testimony and our relationship with Jesus. Those two things can never be taken away from us. We ourselves may stray away from Jesus, but he never left 
our side. He's constantly with us. In John uh, chapter 10, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. We are the sheep. The shepherd feeds and he leads and he meets the needs of the sheep, of his flock. The shepherd serves the sheep so that they can survive. The creator of everything, Jesus, the king of kings, the one who laid down his life for us, serves us so that we can survive in this crazy world down here until we're with him again for eternity or with him for eternity. His, his role in life is to serve us. It, it, it makes him happy when he serves his people. But I think it's fulfilling for him when it's actually a two-way relationship and there's a connection there instead of a take, 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 and take. He serves us, and we follow his lead as he serves us and leads us and takes care of us. Philippians chapter 4 says this. It's it's a little bit of a paraphrase, but, but it says this. God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Everything that we have is given to us from Jesus. All of it. Everything. Some of us have more than others, and some of us don't have as much as maybe we would like. But everything that we have is from Jesus. There is nothing that we need that God cannot supply. Jesus provides everything. And then, so then, listen to this. The prophet Ezekiel was prophesying to the Israelites. And and when put into context, God wanted Ezekiel to let the priests know that he knows you're leading my people astray. And this is not a good thing. But this is a promise that God himself gives that we ourselves can hold on to. Listen to what God said through Ezekiel. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. Does that sound a little familiar? Like when Jesus said, I will leave the 99 to go after the one. Like, this is the way the Father has been since the beginning. And Jesus comes along and he says, This is the way it is. I will tend to my sheep. I will give them a place to lie down in peace. And as we read in Psalm 23, this is going to sound familiar. I will search for my lost ones who have strayed away. God will constantly be looking for you when you stray from him. And he will bring you home again. See, our creator in heaven, has promised to always take care of those who put their faith in him. This, this 
passage from Ezekiel is something that we can meditate on, especially if we're struggling in life, especially if we feel like things are pulling us away from what we need to be focusing on. This is something that we can, we can have in our hearts, like, like, I am not doing well, but God, your word says you will constantly chase after me. You will constantly be with me. You will bring me back to safety. And God, I don't feel safe right now. And I need that peace that, this, that your word talks about. This is how our conversations can be with God. And then as we continue in, in uh, Psalm 23, we will see that there are four things that Jesus does as our shepherd. Four things out of this psalm. Listen to this. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. See, with Jesus as our shepherd, we have rest, peace, renewal, and guidance. We have these things that are given to us as we rest in him. Learning to rest allows us to receive the blessings that God wants to pour into our lives. And some of us need to learn how to rest. See, often what happens is we place our identity in our careers, in our family, in our marriage, sometimes in our hobbies. And we wonder why we feel worn out because we're chasing after something that we think is our identity when it is not. It's a part of who we are, but our identity is found in Jesus. Our identity is in the kingdom. Our identity is much deeper than a career and our family and our hobbies and doing all of these things that, that just don't seem to be fulfilling. It always, it always, like, it goes so far. And then it's like this cycle chase uh, starts over again, right? Like, like, I just, if I could just get this figured out, if I could just get that raise I'm looking for, we'd be set financially. If I could just advance in the company, if I could just learn how to get this marriage to be in sync, if I could just, and we're always chasing after what we're trying to fulfill ourselves in. That's not where our identity is. Our identity is in Jesus and instead of, if I could just, it should be, Jesus, can you help me? And in that is where the relationship grows. Look at this, Psalm 127. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Now, if you have a job that's like a 10 or 12 hour day job, do not go to your boss tomorrow and say, listen, my pastor said this is useless here, all right? I need to be done by four because I'm tired. <laughs> Sometimes jobs, you know, 
Like, like, you know what? Okay, so here's the thing. Like, maybe you have a job where, where there's, I, I call it, you know, it waxes and it wanes. There's busyness, there's busy seasons, and then there's, there's a rest period. But if we're in sync with, if, if, if we're in sync the way God does things, which he is our example. See, a lot of our unneeded stress and worry is because we, we don't know how to rest. We don't realize how important rest is for us. In, in one of my vineyard theology classes, it was spiritual disciplines, and rest was a spiritual discipline. Like, take a nap. You can take a nap. It's okay. Amen. And then, of course, in the conferences, all you see all these pastors are taking naps in the lobbies because they're resting. But you know what? If, if we're not well-rested then we're not going to be at our best. Rest is so important that God made it one of the Ten Commandments. Like number four, after the three big ones, thou shalt not have no other gods before me, thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain, thou shalt not have any graven images, no bowing down to statues and worshiping them. And right after that, Exodus 20 says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. And this is what your boss is going to tell you if he's telling him you need some rest. Listen, you got six days. This is what God says. You have six days to work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So like for instance, me, tomorrow, I will wake up, I will brew some really fresh coffee, I will answer the emails that I didn't answer from today and last night. And then around 10, 11 a.m., I will not open my laptop up again until Tuesday morning. It's just it. I won't do it. Because that is my Sabbath. And I have things that I want to do on that day. I spend day, you know, Kim's a teacher and the kids and everybody's home for the summer. We might do something. We might not. I might spend the entire day in the garden. Who knows? I might go to Lowe's and just walk around and look at stuff. Kim went to Lowe's with me last night, and that's what I do. She's like, do you want to buy that? I'm like, no, I just want to look at it. I just want to look at it. <laughs> Man, I would have had this super cool, nice cooler. Pastor Dave, this thing was so cool. It was perfect for a nice patio, and it had two lids. I mean, I, Steve, Kim, didn't I say, I said, no, Kim, this would go well in Steve Fitter's thing. I might even just buy it for you, man. Perfect. <laughs> but but I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just chilling, right? It's a Sabbath day. We're relaxing. I'm, I'm just letting, not letting my mind get bogged down with things. See, rest falls under the category of a spiritual discipline. It, it really does, church. It's important. It is in resting in Jesus that we find our strength. Spiritual, mental, and even physical renewal happens with rest. Now get this picture in your head, this picture of green pastures and peaceful streams. That's what this psalm is saying. This indicates the calmness and the peace of God that we have when we are fully content in our relationship with Jesus. 
when you are fully content, you can say to yourself, I am, this is like laying down in a green pasture right beside a peaceful stream. It is, it is a deep peace that you have with your, in your relationship with Jesus. And then verse 3, he renews my strength, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. See, this strength that we're talking about is spiritual. In the King James, it says he restores my soul. He restores my soul, my intellect. All the crazy stuff that goes on up in here, Jesus restores it. He renews my strength. See, once we're content with the rest and the peace that we have in Jesus, he begins renewing our strength. He begins restoring our soul. And this isn't just a one and done thing. See, this is something that happens over and over again. And the more we get used to it and the more we kind of, we kind of understand this, this discipline, the deeper that peace gets and the better that rest gets and the stronger our relationship with Jesus gets and the more we rely on Jesus when things start to spiral out of control because now we know that it's not our own strength that's going to get us out of this situation. It's Jesus. And we rest in him knowing that he has all the answers. When we are exhausted with life, weary, sad, tired, troubled, anxious, depressed, worn down, confused, Jesus restores the life that we've lost. Those are all emotions that suck the life right out of us, right? Jesus can restore all of that. And, and, and then with God's Holy Spirit, or when God's Holy Spirit brings correction and we respond accordingly, it's only when we respond accordingly when we realize, oh, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm kind of straying off the path God wants me on. There's some correction happening here. Nobody likes to be corrected. Who likes to be corrected? But your father says, hey, listen, we, there's some few things we need to work on right now. Respond accordingly. This is being held accountable to your creator. That's what that is. When we have a repentant heart, when we need to repent of some things, maybe it's just us and God, maybe we need to go to another person. See, when these things begin to happen, we can only respond to God's correction or, or an area of repentance when we understand the peace and calmness we get from relying on Jesus. And when we draw closer to God in that area of correction or in that area of repentance, our strength is renewed. Our souls are restored. Sometimes it's, it's such a thing, like we've gotten ourselves into such a pickle that we need that we really need, like God's like, listen, you've, you've done it this time. And, and, and we're just, we're bogged down. This, it's a weight. We can feel it. God restores that by taking that from us. But he won't take it from us unless we come to him with it. And, and in that renewal, we are then led along paths of righteousness. We are then led along the right path, meaning that our relationship with Jesus is one where we don't wander, like wander off. And again, this isn't just something that happens once and we're good. This is, this is like the cycle of a, of, a, of a Christian's life. 
You know, the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert and, and, and even, even, even uh, what is it, uh, uh, judges and, and kings, those Old Testament really crazy stories. And the Israelites, they, they, they fall away from God, they come back to God. They fall away from God, they come back to God. And we're like, how could they be so stupid? And then we look at our lives and we're like, oh, we aren't really any different. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a thing. And God himself, when we come back to him, leads us along the right path for living, the path that he has paved for us. Listen, Psalm uh, 19, verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The constant care of our shepherd keeps us focused on a path that he pays before us. And in doing so, we bring honor to his name. How am I bringing honor to his name? Because people see the changed life in you. They see sometimes maybe that, that something rocked your world, and they see that you rely on Jesus, and they may have a conversation with you, and then they're like, maybe they put their faith in Jesus. The way that you handle yourself in situations relying on Jesus is what brings honor to his name. And then verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The darkest of valleys or the valley of the shadow of death. Like, why do you just want to gloss over that one, right? Like, but this is referring to a season of change. Like, oftentimes things happen in our lives, right? And we're in this valley. It's a struggling chapter in our life. What do we do with this? How do we handle this? From the very least to the very darkest hours of our lives, we may experience, we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes focused on our shepherd. Because even though these valleys, they're deep, and they're dark, and they're lonely, and they're scary, and they're a long period of time, the darkest of valleys, even though they're like that, the outcome can be fruitful as our shepherd, Jesus, leads us through. There's nothing better than coming out of a dark period of life and saying, I would not have made it if Jesus wasn't with me. Jesus will bring us through the darkest of valleys. And there is always something to learn from that. There is always something we can share with others from that. We can find comfort. And, and here's the other thing, too. All right? So we actually did a whole series on this psalm. It was in November 2021. So if you want to go on our website, you can scroll all the way down there. And Kim broke down the rod and the staff in, in her part of this, of this series. But the rod represents strength and protection. Our shepherd, he's got a rod and he has a staff. The rod is strength and protection. Your shepherd, Jesus, has a rod in his hand and he's beating the enemies away from you. He's, he is protecting you. And it is in his strength that he is keeping 
what you think is the darkest valley of your life that you don't really think you're going to make it through, he is holding back the worst of what could actually happen when we rely on him. And then the staff, it's guidance. It's leading. It's a shepherd. It's, a sh- it's, it, it, it's the protection and the guidance of our shepherd that sees us through these seasons of life, the darkest of valleys. Psalm 121 says this, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. If you're in a struggling period right now, meditate on that verse. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. That's comforting. Hebrews chapter 13 For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Peter, in one of his books, says, uh, because I rely on this a lot, says, says, uh, says, uh, What harm can happen to you if you are a follower of what is good? What can people do to you when Jesus is your shepherd? The battles that I fight here in this earthly realm, I don't fight them. I talk to Jesus. He's my shepherd. He's my protector. He's my leader. He's the one who takes care of these things for me. To know that we have a Savior in Jesus, a shepherd who is ready to protect us from danger, to correct us from bad decisions, to stay close to us, and to rescue us when we stray should be a great comfort that leads to the renewal of our soul, to the renewal of our spirits. There's strength to be found in that. There's strength. You know what? Maybe the shepherd needs to whack you a little bit with that rod. There's a little correction there. Maybe you need a little little, little prodding. (laughs) A little shepherd's hook. Get back over here, you. There's strength to be found in that. And then, and then, verse 5. Oh, this one's my favorite. You prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. The visual that I get in my head from this verse is one of my all-time favorites. My all-time favorites. Because it's what keeps me in sync in knowing that I am highly favored by God. I think sometimes people throw that phrase, I am highly favored by God. They just kind of, they, I think they, I think they just kind of say it, but they're not really like, like church, you've got to be in a good place with God to know that you are highly favored by him. It's not an arrogance. It's, it's, it's a relationship and he cares for me. He will leave the 99 to come get me. Now, Here's something. Did you notice how everything so far today has been inward focused? I, I, 
I felt like the Lord said that we can be a little selfish today. All of us. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He renews my strength. He protects and comforts me. He prepares a feast for me. My cup overflows with blessings. That's how God wants us to read this. I'm doing this for you. This is what I do for you. I want you to get this settled in your spirits. He leads me. He takes care of me. Just, I'm just some dude in Reynoldsburg doing the best he can. And he loves me so much that, that in the most challenging of circumstances, when the world is closing in around us, when the attacks seem endless and we don't know what to do, this verse is one that we can hold on to because with Jesus, we lack nothing. He supplies us with every need and is always looking after our well-being. We are forever protected. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We need the grace of God. We need the mercy of God. And this right here says, don't be afraid to come looking for that. You need some grace. You need some mercy. You need some protection. You need some help. You come boldly to the throne room of God with your requests. Because it is in this place of rest that Jesus will bring good out of the darkest of situations. And we see that our cup really does overflow with the goodness of God. In the middle of his battle, listen to this, in the, in every, most people are familiar with Job, right? Job was the most righteous man on earth, and, and Satan sees this, and he, he comes up to God, and he says, I bet I could get your boy Job to curse you. And, and God says, no, I don't think so. He goes, yes, I can. He goes, all right, give it a shot. Job goes through heck and back. Even his wife says, just curse God and get it over with. Job was, was oh, and his, he's got friends that come and they, they sit with him and they console him and they have conversations with him and it's, it's just a, it's a great book. But towards the end, one of his friends says to him in, in chapter 36, God is, I love this, this is, this is like a, a, a prophetic word for Job. God is leading you away from danger, Job a place free from distress, he is setting your table with the best food. This was a prophetic word that I think his friend was saying to him that I'm not too sure that his friend maybe even knew exactly what he's saying, but he's like, Job, dude, God is leading you away from all of this. This has been a heck of a trial. This has been a darkest valley. You've had the shadow of death over you, but God is leading you away from this. He's preparing a table with you with, for, the, with, for you with the best of foods in the presence of your enemy. It is at this table that we are offered the king's feast 
of our favorite foods in the face of our enemies. What's your favorite? Like a big turkey leg? Like a, like a what? Like a, like a Jolly Pirate Bismarck with so much cream in it? You got like, that's my favorite. A Rush's birthday cake? Like, think about it. A big brisket on the smoke? Like, all of this stuff from beginning to end is, is, is God is saying, this, you are being attacked. You are being hurt. You, you are going through a lot. Life just really hits you. I mean, just listen. Come sit down. Come sit down. Because you are my son. You are my daughter. And I want to make sure that you know I've got this for you. And even though what you're looking at right now is scary, I want you to rest at this table that I have prepared for you. And then we are comforted and anointed by the presence of God's Holy Spirit. See, in the Old Testament, the kings, they would anoint their heads with oil, like, like, like so much oil was all over them. They would pour it on their, their heads. It, was, it, was, it, was, uh, uh, it represented the Holy Spirit. It represented God's spirit and God's anointing on that king. That's what that is. You are anointed by God in that moment. Lamentations chapter 3 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. He never stops pouring his mercy out on us, ever. And it is the enemy of God that shadows and towers over you that says, you are not getting anything from God. I will keep you from hearing from him. I will keep you from sensing his presence. I am going to be such a, an annoyance to you that you won't even know he's there. And then we start thinking this. And God is just, he loves us. A loving shepherd, when, when, when all of this falls into place, right, and we have it settled in our hearts, in our spirits, that this is who Jesus is. A loving shepherd who takes care of all of our needs. He protects us. He leads us. He anoints us. And he secures a place at the table with him. Then we know the last verse. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. We can't say that last verse unless verse, we know verses 1 through 5 are a part of who we are. We can't live out knowing that the goodness and the unfailing love of God will pursue us for the rest of our days and we will live in the house of the Lord forever if we don't have all those others settled in our hearts because we'll question that verse. This is a promise that we can hold on to. So we'll end it real quick with this. Soul care, taking care of ourselves spiritually, cannot take place if we are not focused on Jesus and honoring him as best we can by the way we live, by our actions, by our words, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act. And, and church, we cannot expect any of this to take place 
if we are not in God's word on a regular basis. Reading it, studying it, meditating on it, living it out. That's how this all starts. And so we'll end it with this verse right here, Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Amen? Let's pray. I just pray that each one of us in here today, God, were able to receive what it is that you had for them and for us, for me, for everybody listening, God. I thank you. I thank you for the word that you inspired holy men to put on paper so that we could have this as our instructions, as our guide. 